guys each week show up and help us to sing to the Lord and lead us in that sense of worship. If you're able to remain standing for a bit more, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119. This morning, we want to look at verses 89 to 96, and as Brian has alluded to already, you'll see something of a familiarity there with what we've just sang. We've been working on that song for the month of November to lead us up to uh, this portion of Psalm 119. I, I hope one of the functions of singing that is that maybe now, the, since you know something of the lyrical design of that song, it will help embed the truths of this, these verses more deeply into our hearts and minds. But let me read them for us. This is God's Word for us this morning. Forever, O Lord... Your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day. For all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight... I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimony. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word, for we acknowledge that there is no word like your word. Your word is forever settled in the heavens. So, Father, our prayer this morning is that this sure word of yours would flood our hearts by your Spirit, that the very stability spoken of by you through your Word would be the very stability on which we anchor our lives and live at this present moment. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're just past the halfway mark of Psalm 119. There are 22 eight-verse units in Psalm 119, and we're making our way through uh, this psalm uh, a unit at a time, eight verses at a time. And last week, we finished the 11th uh, unit, and this morning, we are now just past the halfway mark. We're on uh, unit number 12. Each unit says something to us about the functional and practical value of God's Word in our lives as followers of Christ. And yet each unit uh, does that from its own unique emphasis or twist or take. 
the bulk of the units that we've covered thus far, more than half of them, have, have overlapped with a life that is experienced, experiencing affliction. In this case, the, the psalmist is afflicted by wicked people who have it out for him. And yet in that affliction, he turns to the Lord. And the particular emphasis that we see this morning is, and it's, it's still touching on the subject of affliction, but, but there's, a, there's a more of an uptick in mood here in these verses. And the uptick is accounted for the fact that even in the midst of affliction, the psalmist knows where the security and the stability and the surety of his life resides. It resides in God and in his word. Two things I want us to see this morning in these verses, 89 to 96. First, the first four verses I'm going to call stating the stability of God's word. This is the psalmist recognizing or realizing that God's word is the source of stability. And then in verses 93 to 96, there's a kind of a, a resolution, a so what. There is seeking uh, the stability in God's word. So stating the stability of God's word and seeking the stability of God's word, those are the, those are, those are the two subpoints that divide these eight verses. And let me show you how I, I got there in terms of dividing these verses up. The key word for slicing these eight verses up into four apiece is the word forever. Look at verse 89. Forever. That's the first word in verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. But then, and it doesn't fully come out, uh, but you, I think you'll see the connection. Verse 93 has the same word forever. Literally, what verse 93 says is, forever I will not forget your precepts. Now, that's just not real clean English. I mean, it works fine for me, but since I'm not much on uh, ability to articulate the English language, um, uh, the, 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 what, when it gets translated, it cleans it up. And, and rather than li- just literally and kind of woodenly saying, forever I will not forget your precepts, it just flattens that out, smooths it out, and says, I will never forget your precepts. So the notion of forever is, is guiding uh, what is being said about the stability that's found in God's Word. So let's look at these two points one at a time. Verse 89 again. Forever, O Lord, your Word is firmly fixed. That, 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 that sentiment there attached to the term firmly fixed is really what I'm calling stability. Forever, O Lord, your word is stable, sure, secure in the heavens. God's word is an eternal word, forever. How long has God's word been secure in the heavens? Forever. How long will it be secure in the heavens? Forever. God's word is 
just as God himself is. God is forever. He's had no beginning. He will have no end. And and God's word, which is really an expression or an extension of God himself, is forever settled. God is faithful. God is true. God is powerful. God is wise. God is good. God is beautiful. And every single one of those descriptions, and you can think up some more if you like, every one of those descriptions that are true of God are are therefore true of God's Word. Because God's Word is an extension of God Himself. God's Word is a direct expression of God Himself. I mean, what, would we, what, what kind of categories would we have if we said, now, now God is faithful, but boy, you can't depend on a thing He says. And, and, yet, and yet some people wish to seek to undermine the value and the, and the importance of God's Word by trying to separate the two notions. They, they, they say, now, you know, God is everything. God is true. God is faithful. God is powerful. But, but the Bible is not God's word. And so, therefore, we've got to, like, figure out what it means and, and what it says and if it's even true or not. We, we can't denigrate God's word and pretend to be faithful to God. Because God's word is an extension, an expression of God himself. That's why he would say in verse 90, your faithfulness, your faithfulness. And yet what's he talking about here? He's he's really talking about the, the, the stable, firmly fixed word of God. Your faithfulness, which is expressed by the faithfulness of your word. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth. Now, you know what's interesting here? Another play on words here is when he said in verse 89, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It's literally the same word used twice in verse 90. It's used again in verse 91. But, but your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have Firmly fix the earth is literally what he's saying here. And it stands fast. It stands firmly fixed. So in other words, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. And this, that this world that you have made is firmly fixed. And it stays firmly fixed. You know why it, it, it was made firmly fixed and stays firmly fixed? Because it was made and it is sustained by the very power of God's Word. You've read the, the first chapter of the first book. When all of a sudden there was nothing and God wanted something, how did God go from having nothing to having something? He just said, let there be. Just the powerful agency of his word took that which did not exist and and out of nothing brought it into existence. Out of nothing other than the, the very desire and expressed word of God himself. That's why Psalm 33, 6 says, 
By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. In other words, God made this world and everything in it, and he did it just by his word. The word that has forever been fixed in the heavens is is now accounting for why we have a world, a universe today that's been made and that is being sustained. The world was brought into existence by the command of God, and the command of God is what sustains and governs all that he has made. The world cannot untether itself from the word. Oh, it can attempt to, to its own demise and destabilization and disintegration. But the world cannot uh, uh, untether itself from the word. It is the word that holds the universe together. And, and, and what verse 91 is telling us, by your appointment they stand, there's our word firmly fixed again, by your appointment they are firmly fixed this day. In other words, God made the universe, God sustains the universe, and the universe will continue till its appointed terminus. No more, no less. It will end up exactly the way God has purposed it. Do you see what he's saying here? What accounts for any notion of stability in the universe? The power of God through the agency of his word. God could bring this universe to a close right now. He would just have to speak that into existence. The fact that it's still sustained at this moment is ultimately a testimony of his faithful stability of his eternal fixed word. Verse 9 of Psalm 33 says, For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Verse 11 of Psalm 33, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. If 2020 has not felt like a destabilized, shaky, fragile year, I don't know what, and all we know is what our own experience is. If we, if we study history, we know that there's been other times that have felt flimsy and destabilized and scary and threatening. But, but we know our own experience. And in our own experience, we know that this is the year of crazy COVID. This is the year of, well, what? Of course this is going to happen this way. I mean, what do you expect? And yet, how should the craziness and the apparent perspective of destabilization of this universe fall upon us who know that the stability of this universe is tethered to 
the surety and the stability of God's eternal word. Do you see how you and I get to look at what appears to be destabilization of the universe? We get to look at that. We get to look at that through the, the lens through the interpretive framework of what God's word says. We, we don't work the other way. We don't look at the destabilized world and say, well, in light of what I see in the world, what does God's word mean? No, we say, this is what God's word is telling us. How does that now color how we look at the universe? You and I are neither self-originating nor self Determining. We owe our existence and therefore we owe our destiny to God and to the surety of His Word. That's why the psalmist would reach the immediate conclusion. In verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. There's our term affliction, which is most of the first 11 units have touched on, at least a majority of them have alluded to this affliction. And what the psalmist is saying is that this word that brings stability to the universe is the word that has brought stability to his own heart and soul in the the midst of the affliction that he was facing. In fact, had he not had God's word precious in his heart and his soul, he would have not had the stabilization needed to endure such affliction. Now, interesting, do you see the cause and effect here as it's presented in verse 92? If your law had not been my delight, in other words, if your law had not already been in my heart and precious to me, then, then, then I would have perished in my affliction. In other words, I had to get out ahead of my affliction by, first of all, establishing something of the importance and the preciousness of God's Word in my life. If God's Word had not been important and precious in my life, then, then the only thing that would have brought stability to me would have not been present with me. I would have destabilized in the midst of my affliction. And and yet he expresses the relationship from a different angle earlier. In look at verses sixty-seven and seventy-one. It's not an either-or. It's really a both-and. He says, "Before I was uh, afflicted, I went astray." Verse sixty-seven. But now I keep your word. Or verse seventy-one. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. See, what what verse 67 and 71 uh, uh, orient us about is affliction's good purpose was it it caused my heart to value and see is even more precious your word. So so it's really, it's, it's kind of 
cause and effect, effect and cause. It's kind of circular. On the, on the one hand, what our verse this morning, verse um, 92, is telling us is that if there hadn't been a place in his heart for the preciousness of God's word, he wouldn't have endured the, the, the affliction he was experiencing. What these earlier verses tell us is that and now having run through that affliction, his heart regards the word as even more precious. It is his delight in God's word. It is really God's word that has preserved him. But, but the means by which God's word preserved him was his delighting in God's word. Oh. Do you see how Psalm 119 just keeps driving home a precious truth? The functional and the practical value of God's word in the life of a follower of Christ. We are utterly dependent upon God's word in our heart and soul in order to persevere and to survive and to endure and even to thrive. That's why... we, can, we, can we escape our time in Psalm 119 and, 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 not, and, and not have some sort of strategy of intentionality in which you and I are regularly, consistently, habitually engaging in the intake of God's Word? You know, most every January, I, we, we put out some sort of read-through-the-Bible suggestion. You know, hey, if, you, if, you're, if you need a plan to read through the Scriptures, here's one. Um, and uh, hope that goes well for you. And, and that's fine. And yet, I'm, I'm, what my desire is to, for us to be more strategic and more intentional about that for this year. And I'm putting together a, a, a Bible reading plan, a church-wide, in other words, I just invite any and all in the church who want to participate, a church-wide Bible reading plan that will be a two-year uh, scope uh, that will take us through the entire Bible in two years. That way we can kind of stretch it out a little bit and, and we can kind of slow ourselves down and, and kind of marinate more deeply on what we're uh, doing it. And I hope to do that uh, even uh, so it's something that each of us would do individually, but it would, it's also something that we can do interactively. So I want going to build a second uh, Google group and whoever wants to sign up for that Google group can. And we can share with each other uh, our experiences of intaking and reading God's Word uh, uh, throughout our lives and throughout our year and throughout our week. It's just just one way that that we could apply uh, how precious is God's Word to us, how strategic are we, so that God's Word is our delight, so that we are preserved in our affliction. Well, because so, that's really what he says next. After he makes this bold statement about the delight in God's word, he then uh, applies that in verses 93 to 96 with uh, uh, encouraging us to seek stability in God's word. So here's how he begins that in verse 93. I will never forget your precepts. Forever I will not forget your precepts. So how will you do that? How will we do that? How will we 
apply that bold statement of seeking stability in God's word? How will we guard against uh, 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 an amnesia or an eclipse of God's word? How will we promote a remembrance, a not forgetting of, of God's word in our hearts and in our lives? Well, we have to have a regular, consistent approach to intaking and ingesting God's word in our hearts and in our minds. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Who wants life in 2021? Where is life found in 2021? Forever. I will not forget your precepts. And then he, he blurts out almost in verse 94, I am yours! Save me. And yet notice then what he couples with that. I am yours. What's the implication of I am yours? What's the evidence, if you would, of I am yours? On what basis could I say, save me, deliver me, help me, on the basis of I am yours? What evidence is there that I am yours? For I have sought your precepts. You, you see, get, we can't disconnect saying, you know, I just have a wonderful relationship with God through Jesus. It's sweet. It's wonderful. We get along just fine. I just never find any time to get into the Word. Again, that's a foreign construct in terms of what the actual Scriptures teach us about how we experience relationship with God. The psalmist is helping us to connect the dots. He belongs to the Lord. I am yours. And therefore, he he can expect to experience all of the benefits of that covenantal relationship that he has with the Lord. And, and And yet, how was that covenant relationship forged? How was that covenant relationship established? How was that covenant relationship revealed? How is that covenant relationship experienced? But through the agency of God's word. How do you and I know we live in covenant with God? He told us. He told us how that covenant came to be. He told us the arrangements and the details of that. He has revealed it to us. To live covenantally with our God means that we live tilted toward his word, which is the agency by which we know and live in and experience such covenant relationship. He knows that he can cry out to God, I am yours, save me. How does he know he can even call out to God in that way? He's learned it through the covenant terms of God's word. Verse 95 reminds us, though, something of this affliction that he's dealt with. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me. 
This is a reminder that we do not live in a safe place. Now, but hang with me for a second. Because it might present a struggle to you. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said, particularly in the first part of the, of the sermon this morning, uh, that this world is sustained and directed by the Word. Then, then, then why is there so much wrong running rampant throughout the universe? Why is the psalmist experiencing affliction at this moment? Well, the Word explains. The Word explains how it, on the one hand, is the agency by which the world is sustained and governed and directed, and it explains why there is so much wickedness or ungodliness and therefore so much tragedy that is um, occurring and unfolding in this world. And the quick and skinny explanation that the Word itself provides for us is that we at this present moment are experiencing life in light of God's sure word. And what I mean by that is this. One of the earliest words of God to his creation went something like this. And the day you eat of this fruit, you shall die. And we are seeing the faithfulness and the truthfulness of God's word played out at this present moment. The reason why there is such a category of affliction, it's just a temporary category. It wasn't affliction in the garden, and there won't be affliction in the garden city, in the eternal state. But at this present moment, we are acquainted with affliction, and we are acquainted with affliction because God's word is true. The day you eat of this fruit, you shall die. And so we see the true effects of God's word coming to its fruition. But also, also we experience... uh, Affliction and tragedy in this present moment because this world and this life that we are experiencing is in light of God's word from another vantage point as well. God's word has pronounced judgment upon this world. You and I live in a condemned world. It, it, is, it, it is playing out its experience of condemnation as per instructions and commands of God's sure word. Why is there affliction? Because humanity is trapped in bondage to sin and death. Why is there affliction? Uh, even though the universe is governed by God's word, because it's a word of just wrath coming down on this world at this present moment. And yet in verse 96, he says, I have seen a limit to all perfection. I, I think what he's trying to say there is, I, I, there is an end, there is a limit to all that currently is. And, and yet, just as he started in verse 
88, 89 by saying, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heaven. He really concludes that from, a, from essentially a synonymous way. He says, For your commandment is exceedingly broad. In other words, there is an end or a limit to, to everything that currently is, but there is no end or no limit to what your word is and says and does. The benefit of that is even though we walk through affliction at this present moment, there is an end to that affliction. Even though we walk through affliction at this present moment, God's commands are much greater and eternal and everlasting than the present affliction at this present moment. And in fact, earlier in this psalm, I I skipped over it, but in verse 91, to go back and glance at that again real quick, by your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. Servant is a term of covenant. What in essence he's saying is that for those who belong to God and to live, who live in covenant with God, God's word, God's universe, God's appointments, God's purposes are standing firm for the good of God's people. It, it may not feel or think uh, 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 we may not think it that way at this moment. We may not feel that way at this moment. But, but, but because of Christ, the author of the, the covenant that we live in in relationship to God, death has been dealt with. Sin has been dealt with. Suffering has been dealt with. Affliction has been dealt with. There is an end and a limit to all of those things. But there is no end, there is no limit to what God has promised and to what God is preparing for those who are his servants because of Christ. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what your word says to us concerning the surety of your word. Oh, and Father... May we grasp and even find delight in the fact that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Father, you rule and reign as king, and your word is a sure and stable word. May it be the word that we live by. May it be the word that we live by, for it is the word that shows us Christ. And through your word, may Christ be ever real and precious to us. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.